The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory be to you, Lord. Jesus began to say to all in the synagogue, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here also in your own country. And he said, Truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his own country. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when there came a great famine over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and put him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down headlong. But passing through the midst of them, he went away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a very beautiful logic, as always, to the um, association of the different readings that the church gives us uh, this Sunday. And so the first reading from the prophet Jeremiah, um, where the Lord, we see, it says that even before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And so we have God's intention for each individual person's life, the knowledge that God has of each individual person, and the knowledge of what he desires that person to become. And so the Lord knows the prophet before, even before he forms them in the womb, before he forms all of us in the womb, the Lord knows us. And before you were born, I consecrated you. To be consecrated is to be set aside for the use of, right? To be set aside for the use of. And so all of us have an intention of God that governs our life, a desire that he has, a, a meaning to our life that we are called uh, to fulfill and to allow him to fulfill through us. He has a purpose that we are called to. And each individual, all of us are called in general to holiness, but each of us is called in particular to a particular type of glory that we will give to God by whatever he will accomplish in us. Each of us will give God a particular glory, so particular that if we do not make it to heaven, he will not receive that glory from another. And so we, he desires that we fulfill the purposes that he has for us so that we can give him that perfect individual glory that only our soul can give him in heaven. He desires that from us. And so he not only appoints us, he not only knows us, and he not only consecrated us, but then also he sends us to this fulfillment. He gives us the strength to accomplish the purposes that he has for us. And so then he says to the prophet, but you will go out, basically, and you will proclaim this word of God. That's what it is to be a prophet, to proclaim God's word, to speak the words of God. But you will meet with all of this resistance. And not only will there be resistance, but there will even be anger and hatred. 
And what does the Lord say to the prophet? He says, they shall fight against you. He does not say to the prophet, and you shall fight back and win. He says, they will fight against you and they shall not prevail against you. So the prophet is called to know the truth and to proclaim the truth. But then how does the prophet, what is the prophet supposed to do in the face of evil and of hatred? It is not to sink to that level and to fight back. It is to love. And so the progression that we have in the readings as we move then to St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians is where he deals in that beautiful treatise on love. And so he begins by saying, what happens when there is a lack of love? And so he says, if I speak in all the tongues of angels but have not love, I am simply a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It doesn't matter what I say, even if I speak the truth, but if I am devoid of love, then it is pointless. If I have all prophetic powers and understand all mysteries, if I have all knowledge, all truth, and yet have not love, it is nothing. And even if I go to the extremes of giving away all that I have, following all the gospel principles perfectly, but have not love, I gain nothing because I have not done these things with right intention, and therefore there is no merit to those things. And so that, he shows, is what happens when there is a lack of love. And then you might ask the question, what is love? What is love? Unfortunately, it is a word that is thrown around uh, too freely today with, and it has been stripped of its meaning. Love generally means, especially nowadays in our current culture, it means an emotional feeling that I feel in response to someone who has been good to me. That's the opposite of love. That is something that I am rejoicing in what I have gained. Love is self-sacrificing and giving. Love is a choice, it is an act of the will. Love wills the good of the other person for their own sake. If I am good to someone because I know that they will be good to me and that's the intention for which I do it, that's not love, that's use. I'm using the person to, to accumulate and to gain something for my own self. Now, we might love someone and they might love us in return and that is a beautiful thing, but that is not what we love for in the first place. We love for the sake of the other, for their own good, for their own benefit, no matter what I receive. That is what love is, this self-sacrificing act, this self-sacrificing choice for another, to choose another over ourselves, to love someone else more than ourselves. This is the love that we are called to, not simply the emotional responses to someone's goodness to us. And so what is love? Love is first and foremost, St. Paul says, patient. The word in the Greek means long-suffering. Love suffers long. Anyone who has been married, anyone who's been in a relationship of love, anyone who's been in community, anyone who's lived with people knows that love is long-suffering. We endure the other person because of love. Love is also kind, it is kind. It not only looks for what is obligatory, what am I obliged to do for the sake of the other person? Kindness looks for what else can I do above what is obligatory? How far can I go in my acts of love towards this person? 
Can I go beyond what is required and go to the level of kindness as well? Love is not jealous. Jealousy arises when someone else receives something good and I desire that for myself. Love is not jealous. When the one who is loved receives something good, the person who loves them should rejoice in the good that has happened to them. Love is also not boastful. Boastfulness is something that follows after an action that we think is good and we desire the acclaim of other people. Love does not desire that. Love loves for its own sake, not for what it might receive from other people. Love is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. Love will not try to manipulate the other person in order to achieve its own way. Love respects the free will in the other person, and love desires to rather guide the person than insist on having its own will accomplished. Love is not irritable or resentful, meaning love does not, is not irritated by present hurts, present sufferings, but it is also not resentful, meaning it does not hold on to past sufferings, to past hurts. It very easily lets these go because of love. Love does not rejoice at wrong. Sometimes when there is someone whom we do not like and they do something wrong and they get in trouble for it, we might be tempted to rejoice. Love does not do that. Love rejoices in the right. Love rejoices when people act according to love. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. What a profound description of what love is St. Paul offers us. This man who suffered so greatly in order to proclaim the gospel, this man who was rejected so often, stoned, beaten, all of these things he received because he loved. He loved the souls that he was sent to proclaim the gospel message to. And then, we, so we've seen what St. Paul deals with, which is what happens when we lack love. Then he defines what love is, and then he shows the enduring power of love. Love never ends. The reason we are called to love in this life is because love is the activity of heaven. When we begin to love in this life, love is what continues into heaven. Prophecies pass away. Tongues will cease. Knowledge will pass away. Knowledge is imperfect. Our prophecy is imperfect. But when the perfect comes, the imperfect passes away. And so we are left with those three theological virtues at the end of what St. Paul is saying, faith, hope, and love. When we enter heaven, faith passes away for vision. We no longer see by faith. We will see God in his essence. We will see by vision. And so faith passes away for this perfect sight of God's essence, illumined by the light of glory. Hope. Hope is particularly about something that we do not yet possess, but we hope to possess one day. And so when we enter heaven and we possess God in himself, hope passes away for possession. We have him. We no longer hope for him because he is ours and we are his. But love endures. Love does not pass away. 
Love is that one continuous aspect of our life on earth that passes into heaven. This is the power of love. This is what we are called to, this enduring eternal love of God. And then we see that so perfectly displayed in Christ himself in the gospel, where he again, no, he does not ask us to do anything that he is not willing to do himself. And so that truth that the prophet is not received in his own home, he returns here to Nazareth where he grew up because of love of these people with whom he has grown up. And he proclaims the truth to them and they reject him. They reject him to the point where they desire to kill him, to throw him off of that cliff on the, on the edges of Nazareth. But in his love, he does not retaliate as God and annihilate them. He simply passes through the midst of them so that they will not be guilty of that sin, at least not yet. He loves them with an enduring love. He constantly makes appeals to them to conversion. He meets their hatred with love and patient suffering. He shows us the example of what it is to love. The perfection of his love manifests for us when he then goes to die for us on the cross, when he suffers and patiently endures his passion for the sake of love. Amen.